Hi, this is Gary Life Art, and you are listening to podcast Body is a Temple in this episode. When I take them in and I do this internal process to uncover these things, um, they're, they're out of their head and they're into their heart. It's a meditative state. I take them in so that they're getting the answers that are inside their heart. It's what their soul wants for them, not what their ego wants for them. And one of the questions that will come up in that internal process is, what is one structure or action step you can take this week that will help you move forward? And so I don't come up with it. They come up with it. And then when we're done with the internal process, we talk about it. So, you know, how, how do you feel about what you came up with? Is that something that you 100% think you're going to be able to do this week? Or should we need to chunk it down even more? You know, is there, or, you know, so, we work with it, but I let them come up with it. It really has to come from them. Hi, this is Carrie Life Art, and you are listening to Body is a Temple, podcast that will motivate and inspire you to live longer and look younger. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to another um, Body is a Temple podcast. My guest today is uh, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time today. And I'm super excited about our conversation because I know that we have very similar background as a personal trainers, also um, holistic health uh, coaches and practitioners. And we uh, we decided that this is actually not enough to live, uh, you know, healthy, holistically thriving life. And you are also a best-selling uh, author. And, um, and we're going to talk about your book uh, as well, uh, uh, of course, today, but I always ask at the beginning um, to introduce yourself and explain to the listeners what actually happened on, on the way in your story to took you to this place where you are now. I'd love to share. So um, I used to be a personal trainer. I owned a personal training gym and I was married and I had two kids and I lived a very full, happy life. I was married 26 years. And then my husband had like just a classic midlife crisis, no longer wanted to be married, no longer wanted to be married to a woman the same age as him. So he is now remarried to somebody two years older than my son. And I just took a big hit. You know, it was not part of my plan. My life was really set. I was really happy. I did not have the tools that I have today to um, know that everything happens for a reason and everything happens for the evolution of your soul. And I can tell you, I wouldn't be where I am today if I was still married to him. My life would be all about him. I would still be very other referenced instead of self-referenced and self-loving and putting myself and my needs um, first. I just, none of that would have happened. So it was a long haul back into finding myself again. And then I was once again engaged to another man. And when that fell apart, I actually thought, okay, the universe is trying to tell me something. 
it can't just be the men that I'm picking and it has to be for me and about me. And so I started being coached and getting into this integrative work and shadow work. And um, that was 10 years ago that I started to do this work. And so for the last 10 years, I've been not only coaching, but um, mentoring other coaches to become coaches in two different organizations. And that brought me to the place of being a master coach and then finally writing my book, Bigger, Better, Braver, Conquer Your Fears, Embrace Your Courage and Transform Your Life. And that brings us to where I am today. Yes, thank you for sharing your story. I really like to show to the listeners that behind every success, there is, you know, hard work. And as the youngsters, uh, there's no tree that growth to heaven until its roots uh, reach to hell so sometimes we need to hit the rock button to kind of like open our eyes and look around and see okay like what is going on um before we're gonna talk about your current coaching um experience and and offerings and your book um i want to ask did you find that uh being uh uh, someone connected with with the sports and personal training does this mindset uh, of like working with the body help you to kind of go through these situations and uh, you know not giving up looking for solutions well I think that there's a competitive part to my personality and a courage part to my personality and a going forward. I mean, even when I started to write the book and I was going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, I would say things like, well, if I don't do this, I won't be able to do that. You know? So I went to Tony Robbins and I was walking on fire and I, I climbed double black, black diamond ski lifts and, you know, ski down. And I do a lot of things. Um, I trust my body to be able to do a lot of things. And if you're an athlete, you're used to the pain and the grind and you have the grit. And so I would have to say, yes, I think that the difference between me as a coach and me as a personal trainer is that as a personal trainer, I basically was mainly working on their outside. And now as a coach, I'm working on their inside. But because I have a, you know, 16 years as a personal trainer and certifications in holistic lifestyle, it's all, it, they get it all. You, you can't come to me and if you're having health issues or body issues, not get my expertise on that as well, whether they want it or not. Oh, yes. Beautiful. Okay. Um, your book, Bigger, Braver, uh, Bigger, Better, Braver. What does it mean for you to live um, bigger, better, and braver life? It means that I'm comfortable being uncomfortable and that I take fear with me. I don't expect to be in a fearless state ever. It just doesn't really happen. If you want to grow, you have to keep being outside your comfort zone. So you have to keep trying new things. You have to keep being bigger and better. And to be bigger and better, you have to be braver. So I think that people look at other people who are successful and think, you know, well, they're just better or bigger or braver or more courageous or smarter or something. And really all they are is that they have a higher level 
uh, they have a higher pain threshold. They're willing to stay in the game longer until they succeed. And they don't have a fixed mindset. They have a growth mindset. So for me, the bigger, better, braver is that the juice is in the journey. It's in the trying. It's in the doing. It's not necessarily in just the goal at the end. Because that's just fleeting. So for me, I feel really proud of myself and really good every time I am fearful and I do it anyway. That's that's the goal. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, however, I feel it's kind of scary for most of people, like as you said, like um, they they don't want actually, you know, to go out of the discomfort zone. So how do you motivate them as a coach? <laughs> well, when I work with somebody week after week after week, um, we are taking small chunked down steps. So I'm their accountability partner and they come up with what they're going to do each week that's going to be in alignment with the goals that they've set for themselves and the vision that they want. So I think that when you have an accountability partner, even if you're a little afraid, you don't want to show up next week not having done what you said you were going to do because that's actually the beauty of working with a coach versus the working with a therapist is that working with a coach is very action oriented. You have goals and then you have action steps and we hold you accountable. You, you really have to do what you say you're going to do. Cause if you can't do what you say you're going to do, then who's going to trust you. You can't even trust yourself. So I think one of the beauties of working with a coach is that they're, they, they, they sort of protect you with your fear. You discuss it. You see where it comes from. We do a whole session around them. What do they mean? What are you making them mean? What can you do to get out of them? What, what kinds of affirmations can you do to quiet them? And then how do you have faith that everything is going to work out exactly as it's supposed to? Not necessarily how you want it to, but how it's supposed to for the evolution of your soul. So I do a lot of things and I don't, I'm not successful in all of them. And when I fall, at least I'm falling forward and I can look and say, all right, you know, that sucked, right? That didn't work out the way I thought it would work out. What can I do differently? You know, what can I do to make that, that no, a yes. And how can I show up differently myself or who do I need to get? to give me more information, or maybe I just wasn't, it wasn't the right time for me. And I didn't know as much as I will know. And so I'm back to the drawing board. I don't just like take my toys and go home. Yes, I agree with that. And from my own like personal stories and challenges, I also kind of learn to do that with my challenges but yeah I remember the times where I wasn't thinking um, like that and every failure I was treating as a failure not as a growth opportunity as you said so I want to ask you 
yes, like what is the history of your experience? Like how did you learn actually to have this transformation to to learn those tools? Like uh, you said about Tony Robbins, but many maybe you can tell more about, uh, yeah, like why do you using those tools and what is your experience uh, with this and what do you find the most effective and efficient for yourself and for your clients? I think the beauty of my type of coaching is that we work on the shadow beliefs and shadow beliefs are beliefs that were made in your childhood under the age of 10, something happened, you weren't emotionally mature enough to know what happened and you gave it a meaning. And that meaning happens in a split second. It's not in your conscious awareness, it's in your subconscious, but as you get older, it rules your operating system. So it's made to keep you safe as a child. For example, when I was five years old, I was playing with a lighter and I put myself on fire and my little party dress went up and I was burnt all over, but, but I was burnt with first and second degree burns. So I don't have any scars on my body, you know, going forward, but I had them obviously then, and I was in the hospital for a week and I didn't know until I was 50 years old that I had made this belief that I wasn't safe alone. If you think about that, that's a perfect belief for a child who just put herself on fire. So the belief is formed to keep you safe. And then going through my life, I made an underlying commitment, an unconscious commitment that feeds that belief. So my commitment was, I will never be alone. So I always had a lot of friends. I always had a boyfriend since I was 13. I was a serial long-term relationship person. I didn't know it was because inside that wounded child didn't feel safe. So when I got divorced at 46 years old and I was financially secure and I was physically fit and I owned a gym and I had a lot of friends and I had my children already and I, I could have been very happy. But inside this wounded child didn't think she was safe alone. So she still wasn't happy. It wasn't until I uncovered that belief that I could give myself a new empowering belief that supported my new adult self. So my work is always starts with helping my clients uncover the junk that they're not even aware of that's keeping them plain small and fearful and unhappy yes um that's a that's a very important thing and i i feel like everybody is like going through life with some kind of beliefs like that that we are not aware but it's not really easy to discover this and of course that's why we having a coaches to help us. But um, if you could give it a hint to the listeners, if they are now listening to this and they are wondering, oh, what kind of belief I might have? Like how, what can we do to kind of like discover that? Well, even buying my book, there's exercises in there on how to do it. So that's the least expensive way. You don't need to hire a coach. But um, we, I take people through internal processes, like what are the feelings that are coming up for you and in what situations? And then I, I take it back. Well, when else trace it back? When else have you had those feelings? And now let's go back to the very earliest time you had those feelings. 
And then I start to work like with that. Um, I can tell, I can give you examples of some shadow beliefs other than I'm not safe alone. Um, and you might say, when I do this, people will say, oh yeah, I got that one. Yeah, I got that one. I got that. So um, let's see. Um, I have to be perfect to be loved. I have to control everything to be safe. My voice doesn't matter. My needs don't matter. Love and life means taking care of others before myself. Um, I'm not good with money. People who are religious don't care about money, which is, you know, that can totally mess you up. Um, Men are more important than women. Women need to take care of their man. Uh, God, as many is... I, you know, you don't think you're pretty enough. You don't think you're smart enough. So if you think you're broken, you're unworthy, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, even though it's deep inside. Like, so for example, you're five years old and you stand up in class and you're reading something that the teacher wants you to read and you make a mistake and everybody laughs at you. In that instant, you decide you're stupid and you need to stay quiet so nobody will know. You don't even know you made that belief, but you go through your life and you don't give your opinions. And now you're a grown person in a meeting with a group of people. You never speak up. You never give your advice. You never give your opinion. You stay quiet. People think you don't that you don't even know anything because you never do that. But you're doing that because deep inside you've got this commitment to yourself to stay quiet. Yeah, I'm sure many people are going to relate with some of the things that uh, that you yeah. just said. I'm unworthy. Is it all? Every single one of us, no matter what your beliefs are, they funnel down to I'm unworthy. Every single one of us. Or I'm not good enough. Or I'm also not, I'm stupid. Yeah. Or, I'm stupid. <laughs> or I'm not perfect. Or like I have to be perfect. Like why yeah. I actually I have to be perfect. Loved. <laughs> And honestly, perfectionists. Are, have a lot of work to do because the positive parts about being a perfectionist is that they do some things really well. But the bad part about being a perfectionist is that you don't want to try anything you don't think you'll be perfect at. You're a procrastinator because if you can't be perfect, you don't want to do it. So you put it off and put it off and put it off. So there's a lot of complications that come with being a perfectionist. It's not really in your best interest. I work with people all the time and that's, we work on getting them to not be perfectionists. Yes. Yeah, so I want to ask like, what's this next step when we recognize this story that we have about ourselves? Um, what do we do with this? And like, what's, The outcome, I guess that outcome will be the transformation, but how we can recognize this transformation and yeah. And like how the life after transformation actually look like. Well, first of all, it's not a one and done. We're like an onion and we have all these layers and our stories and our beliefs have layers. So you can, you can get rid of the same belief over and over again. But each time you uncover it, you make a new belief that's in, that is actually in alignment with where you want to go. So, for example, my voice doesn't matter. You change that to be 
I have a lot to say and my voice does matter. And then, so then you start to do affirmations and you do all kinds of different things about affirmations to try to change the neuroplasticity. So now you can believe this new belief about yourself. And then you have an action step. Okay, so this week I'm going to go out and I'm going to share my thoughts at this week's meeting. That's your action step. And then you go and you're probably sweating and nervous and, you know, all of those things. But you do it anyway, because it's an action step that you said you would do. And because you have a new belief that your voice matters and you give your opinion and then it's well received and you walk out of there and you feel better. Well, the next time you go into a meeting, you may have to push yourself again, but eventually it'll naturally happen or you'll catch yourself. You'll be sitting at dinner and people are talking and you don't give your opinion. You will catch yourself saying, don't just sit there, speak up, share your opinion. What's the worst case scenario? You're a grown person. They're not laughing at you anymore. Yeah, exactly. So you start with uh, like asking people to to do a small steps to to push themselves a little bit and go out of this comfort zone. Um, so while you working with people, so are you like together design those steps uh, that are relevant to everyone's life, or how does this work like? When I take them in and I do this internal process to uncover these things, um, they're, they're out of their head and they're into their heart. It's a meditative state. I take them in so that they're getting the answers that are inside their heart. It's what their soul wants for them, not what their ego wants for them. And one of the questions that will come up in that internal process is, what is one structure or action step you can take this week that will help you move forward? And so I don't come up with it. They come up with it. And then when we're done with the internal process, we talk about it. So, you know, how, how do you feel about what you came up with? Is that something that you 100% think you're going to be able to do this week? Or should we need to chunk it down even more? You know, is there or, you know, so we work with it, but I let them come up with it. It really has to come from them. Okay, we were talking also in our pre-conversation from emails about the uh, self-care and the self-love. Um, what is uh, the law that the role of the self-care and the self-love um, in the process of this transformation? Well, people think sometimes that being selfish is a bad word, and being selfless is a good word. It's not actually true. They're on the same spectrum. And so you need to be selfish sometimes and you need to be selfless sometimes. If you're selfless all the time, you disappear. Your needs aren't being met. You don't even know what your needs are and nobody else knows what they are because you don't even know what they are. So self-care comes in under being a little bit selfish, taking care of yourself first. It's it's like being on a plane and being told to put on your own oxygen mask first. You have to take care of yourself in your life so that you have some strength and some ability left to take care of other people. So self-care is one of the most loving things you can do for yourself. 
And having a self-caring practice in the morning and having another one at night is a great thing to start with. Like I try to get all of my clients to have something they're going to do in the morning and something they're going to do at night. Like, you know, you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to say to yourself, what's the most self-loving thing I can do for myself today? And then do it. Maybe it's take a bath with candles. Maybe it's go out for a run. Maybe it's make a phone call that you know you need to make and you haven't made. Or maybe it's make a doctor's appointment. Ask yourself every single day, what is the most self-loving thing I can do for myself today? And then make sure you do it. And then I like at the end of the night to just say three things that you're grateful for from the day. So that you're not just like saying, oh, my partner or my this or my that. It's not the same things every day. Oh, you know, oh, I'm grateful that I made that phone call. I'm grateful that I went for that run. I'm grateful that I worked out for a half an hour or an hour or three hours, whatever. You know, for me, it's like I'm grateful I went skiing today or I hiked the mountain or whatever it is that I'm doing. That's that's all under my self-care. So you know, massages and facials and things like that when I want them and need them and exercising every day and getting enough sleep and eating organic foods. These are all parts of my self-care. They may not be part of your self-care, but they are definitely part of my self-care. I set boundaries for myself and I don't cross those boundaries. I do the things I say I'm going to do. And self-care is top of the list. Yes, um, this is uh, boundaries. Is a uh, next question I was uh, yeah. planning to ask. Um, you a good segue. Yes, because I think uh, the boundaries are kind of like expression of this uh, self care and that self love to like knowing, you know, how to protect ourselves, our uh, severity. And for me, it took a long time to learn it, a really long time. Uh, I am like 40 uh, this year, and I finally feel that I started to actually now setting those boundaries really slowly. So I want to ask, what are your um, uh, tips for setting and maintaining those boundaries uh, and, and how to also recognize when they are crossed and what to do in the situation? Okay, well, that's a big conversation. So boundaries are like the delineation between where you end and somebody else begins. And they're also what you will and will not tolerate in yourself or in somebody else. So it's easier to set boundaries with yourself. I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock. I'm going to turn off my phone at nine o'clock. I'm going to exercise five days a week. I'm going to only eat organic food. All of these things are boundaries that you can set with yourself. Boundaries with other people, you have to be careful when you set them because you have to have a plan A and you have to have a plan B because nobody crosses your boundaries except for you. So if you do ask somebody for something, and then they don't follow through, you have to have a plan B. So for example, uh, your partner drinks too much, and it's starting to really upset you and bother you. You use a boundary script, and the script says, I feel X when you do Y. Would you be willing to do Z? 
You make it about you, not the person. I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I feel disrespected. I feel annoyed when you have more than two drinks in a night. Would you be willing to stop at two drinks? Let's say they say yes, and then they don't do it. You have to have a plan B because now they didn't do it. If you just let it go or you ignore it or you pretend you didn't count how many drinks they had, you're crossing that boundary. So what you need to do is say, well, I guess you aren't going to be able to do that. And in order to honor and respect myself, now that you've had more than two drinks, I'm going to sleep alone in the guest room tonight, or I'm going to sleep alone in our bedroom tonight, or I'm going to go home, whatever it is, you must make a stand. You ask them for something, but if they don't do it, you have to have a plan B. In order to honor and respect myself, I'm going to leave. Or if you raise your voice, I feel really disrespected when you yell at me. Would you be willing to not yell at me? And then when they do, in order to honor and respect myself, I'm going to just walk away or I'm going to just hang up. I'm not saying no to you. I'm saying no to this. And then when they do it, you have to follow through. Yeah, I've been in a couple of situations, um, maybe not the same one, but kind of similar. And I know I remember that I was like very scared to like do the thing that I I said I want to do, like walk away or like not being a part of this and I know you also um talking about fear so yeah I would like to ask first like how to actually make this step when we are so afraid to do something that we are not used used to do because we were tolerating partner who is drinking or being late or whatever he's due and now we need to say hey and we now we not not only need to say but we need to like make what what, we need to do what we say we're going to do so we we need to be you know consistent with with our communication and and we ask him to like not drinking and then he did so now we need to go asleep to another room but it's scary because we used to tolerate that and we don't know what's going to happen and how he's going to react so how to like I don't know work with the breath and come down and make this step actually and go to sleep in another room <laughs> so there there are things that you can do but basically you have to get on you have to be ready for some short-term discomfort so that you don't have long-term discomfort when you first set boundaries with other people it is scary and you know i've had women say to me well you know he 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 drank that much when i married him and it was okay then. How can I? Not, how can it not be okay now? You know. And basically, something can be okay up until five minutes ago. But if it's no longer okay for you, it's no longer okay for you. And their reaction to your truth is not your responsibility. If they get mad, they get mad. Maybe they need to get mad. Nobody wants it in their face that they're doing something harmful or they're embarrassing you or they're scaring you or they're disrespecting you. Nobody wants to hear that. But sometimes they have to hear it and you have to make a stand for them to get it. And I will tell you, I I work with clients all the time. I work with women whose names are not on the house deed, right? And all they want is their name on the house deed. And but 
for 10 years, they haven't asked for it and they're afraid to ask for it. Well, it doesn't happen if you, unless you ask for it. So they're like, you know, their stomach is in their throat and they're afraid to ask for it. And they finally do it and they come back the next week. That's the beauty of a boundary coach is that if you tell me you're going to do something, I'm supporting you. Like I'm telepathically thinking all week about what you're going to do, but you have to do it. And they come back the next week. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said yes. Like people want to please you. They just don't always know what it is you need or you want. And when you don't make them wrong, they're actually listening because you're asking for it with grace and ease. You might be nervous inside. Again, practice all the time. Say it to your girlfriend. Say it to the mirror. Say it so it easily comes out of your mouth and always use the script. I feel this. When you do that, would you be willing to do this? I feel disrespected when you leave dishes in the, I mean, I've used this with my own partner. I feel really disrespected when you leave dishes in the sink. You know, I hate that. Would you just be willing to put them straight in the dishwasher? Simple. I'm not trying to make him wrong. I'm just trying to say, okay, I'm a little neurotic. I don't want dishes in my sink. And the dishwasher is just as close as the sink is. Just put them in. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the strategy. Thank you for sharing. Um, and uh, yeah, one of the things that you said, like uh, for me was a big thing to just be okay when people gonna get angry at me when I am, you know, requesting for something and being okay that not my partner don't need to, you know, be all the time nice and, uh, and, and, um, and pleasant for me. And sometimes when I request something that he might not like, but this is my boundary uh, crossed, he might get angry and I need to let him be angry. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you say to him. I'm sorry you're angry, but your reaction to my truth is your reaction. That's your work. I'm doing my work. Your work is to figure out how to not be angry with what I said and to just hear what I said and hopefully be able to do what it is I need. Exactly. I want to uh, ask uh, about fear a little bit more. Do you think it can be our uh, driving force for change? And if yes, how we can use it as, as this driving force? Well, I can tell you that it's a driving force for me because Everything that I've been asked to do, or I ask myself to do, I've had many opportunities since my book came out. I do a ton of podcasts. I was on Extra TV. I built this course, and I'm doing live things for this course. Every time I'm asked to do something, I'm usually afraid. You know, I'm like, oh, that's bigger than me. You know, I don't know. Somebody more smarter than me should be doing that. Or I'm not one of those big girls. And I basically have to do it anyway. I have to put on my big girl panties and go because I promise you that I know that I will be that person on the other side. I built this amazing course for Jen Connect You, and hopefully it's gonna get it's getting picked up by LinkedIn Learning. And Honestly, I was afraid to do it, but I knew that once I did it, I would be that person. 
So don't wait to be in a fearless state. Use the fear as a motivator for change. Step into it. Get comfortable with that funky feeling of what fear feels like. Because I can put fear on the back burner. I know it's there, you know, knocking on my head. I know it's there, but I literally can move forward anyway. And, you know, there's a saying that the last person in a race beats the person on the couch. Yes. (laughs) So just get up and get in the race. Exactly. Uh, You are someone who like reinvents yourself a little bit after after your your, um, experience with uh, with with marriage. And um, I want to ask, how did you discover um, your personal new purpose and vision? And also, what do you? what you can recommend for people who are also going through some transformation and they are a little lost with what is their current purpose, how they can, um, and personal vision, how they can um, discover that and implement to their life? Well, it's not a one and done and it's not a quick shot. You know, you have to get halfway into something before you can see that there's even a fork in the road, that maybe you would do this or you would do that. Again, sitting on your couch couch and waiting for it to happen is not going to happen. So, you know, I do a whole vision workshop with my clients and help them get out of their head and into their heart and do go through the whole life wheel, like what they would like their life to look like a year from now. And even if they don't know what the career piece looks like, well, how do you want to feel a year from now? How do you want to feel about your career? How does your career make you feel? How do you want to be in a relationship? How do you want to feel? What are the core values that this partner is going to have? Like, I really get them to, to help them uncover all of that. And then I think I'm forgetting what else you wanted to know about the question. Um, people get too tied up in, I don't have a passion. Start with what you like. What do you like to do? What makes you feel good? And then do more of that. And in doing more of that, something else might come to mind. But I didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a master life coach. And and I can tell you, actually, that writing a book was never part of the deal. Never. I, had a lot, I knew a lot of coaches that were writing books and I was a good writer in school. I was always such a good writer. I had absolutely no desire to write a book. So you don't know, you have to get in before you ever know the next steps. And then you have to start saying yes. I didn't know if I could write a book. You know, I didn't know any of that stuff, but here I am. It was an international best-selling book. I mean, it's just, you step in. You just have to step in. Go for what you like. Forget about passion. And go for the feelings that you want to have. And do the things that elicit the feelings you'd like to have. And then expand on that. Yes, I agree. Uh, 
I don't have, I don't know my passion. That's one of the thing. And, and another thing what was, was in my case was, I think that I didn't believe that something that I like to do, I can kind of use it in my career or I can like, you know, um, think about this in a business wise uh, terms. And um, I was always thinking that to earn money, you know, I need to work hard and do things that I don't like, actually. That's so, a shadow belief. Sorry? That's a shadow belief of yours. Exactly. That making money means working hard at a job you don't like. So did one of your parents work hard at a job they didn't like? Um, it's not that they didn't like the job, but I feel my mom idea is about the working hard. Like she is a teacher and she kind of feel it as her purpose, but she was always like saying that it's all about working hard, like doing this study and then working hard and everything. So yeah (laughs) i have clients who are writers who were told or artists i have a client who was an artist and i have another client who was a writer who had been told by their parents those are hobbies not careers you do them on your spare time but you become a lawyer or you do something that's going to make your money and both of those women One of them became a lawyer. She hated it, which on the other hand, also, once you've done something like that, if if you can change your mindset around the job that you hate, but does pay all your bills, you may be able to say, okay, I am going to do this so that I now have free time to write. Or I want to become a life coach. I I coach so many students to become coaches. And I tell them, don't get rid of your day job. You have to keep this job while you grow this job so that you get to be in a position where you can then switch over. But you you don't just jump without a net, is is my belief. Yes, uh, I agree with that. And um, it was also for me a transformation that takes a lot of years and many steps on the way. But um, before I'm going to ask a couple of last questions, I want to now ask about the course that you you mentioned. And uh, I know we can offer to the listeners 20% discount for that. And uh, we're going to put uh, the link to in the show notes. But if you could briefly describe what yeah. they can expect uh, in this course and what they can find in this course, how long it takes. Okay, so I have a few different courses. I do one-on-one coaching, and those are usually 10 sessions. And then I built this course that goes just with my book, and it's called Bigger, Better, Braver. And it's online and you can buy it. And it comes with a workbook and it comes with the audios chapter by chapter about my book. So that's like the easiest and least expensive thing to do. And you really self, you do the work on your own. Um, I also offer that as a group coaching with other people and it's all on Zoom. But I now have this course that I did with Jen Connect You that's called 
career strategies for achieving your greatest potential. And Gen Connect You is an e-platform just for women, women entrepreneurs, women in business, women with careers. And this course, you buy the course and it's it's split up in six or eight chapters. And each chapter has three or four videos of me. And then it has exercises and internal processes and um, maybe a quiz here or there. But again, it's all self-motivated. You can do it. Once you buy the course, you own it. You can do it as many times as you want and you you own it. And so I, I definitely think that's a great way to go because you can do it slowly. You can do it again. You can go back to just the things on um, shadow beliefs or unconscious commitments or boundaries or self-sabotage. It's all in there. It's got everything in there, how to make the jump and how to make the changes and how to set healthy boundaries for yourself. So um, is it only for women? Uh, Bigger, Better, Braver, the book and Bigger, Better, Braver, the course is for men and women. And I've done it with men and women. Even the career strategies that's on Gen Connect You, it's not really that it's for women more than men, although it is female oriented in, you know, what are the sabotaging beliefs that, you know, women are different in business than men. And that platform, Gen Connect You, is is a female platform. If it gets picked up by LinkedIn Learning, then then that's everybody. So, okay. Uh, so my last question, um, if you could advise to the listeners one thing that they can start doing just r- right after listening to the podcast that can transform their life, what would it be and why? The best thing you can do for yourself is to stay in alignment with what you tell yourself you're going to do. So don't make big promises to yourself. Chunk it down. Start small and start today. Tell yourself one thing you're going to do this week or today, and then make sure you do it and do that for a while before you add on, but teach yourself with small steps that you can trust yourself, stay accountable to yourself. Yes. Beautiful. I really like it. This is one of the best things I I have heard last month because I feel it's very important I found I'm now living and traveling in Latin America and I'm struggling with people who don't do what they say they're going to do. And yeah, and I really value wherever someone is on time somewhere. And um, because I'm also demanding this from myself, when I'm going to say to myself, I'm going to start this course or or, I'm going to learn that I'm scheduling planning my calendar and I am discipline to do that and yes and uh, yeah I feel it's very important and it brings results and it brings transformation and it it is very powerful so simple and very powerful so yes thank you for this tip Uh, would you like to add something to summarize uh, our conversation at the end I just think if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're feeling stuck you're feeling like you don't trust yourself. You're feeling that there's something in your way or that fear stops you or you're a self-saboteur, then reach out because you don't have to do it alone. And 
having somebody help you unravel all the stuff. We all have stuff. There is nobody that gets through life. I have four grandchildren now and I watch them and I'm thinking, oh boy, there's a shadow belief being built right there. Like we, you can't get through life without them, but you can uncover them as an adult because they're no longer keeping you safe and they're keeping you playing small. So if you recognize that you're playing small, that you're giving in to your fears, that you can't set healthy boundaries, that you don't stay in alignment with what you tell yourself, that you don't, so therefore you don't really love or trust yourself, reach out, get help. Yes, thank you so much. And of course, in the show notes, we're going to put uh, all the links to your social media, to your book and to your courses and we'll guide people um, to, to to reach you. Is it going to be the best way to find it on your website? Uh, through, It's all through... on my website, but it will be in your notes too. But nancypicardlifecoach.com, you can sign up for a free discovery call. So you get one phone call to go over what's up for you and see whether or not we would be a good fit, whether coaching would be a good fit, um, whether one of those other offerings that I have would be a better fit for you. You don't know till you don't try. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for the conversation. You're very welcome. <laughs>